Hey everybody, it is Macy with No Small Thing. Welcome to episode 15, the Enneagram. We are going to be talking about Enneagram type 1. This episode we have an interview with Matthew Lauder, the producer of the show, where he unlocks about his oneness. And we really got to hear about his experience as a one, and I found it to be incredibly fun and uh, fruitful to listen to him. So I can't wait to share that with you guys. Before we jump into the Enneagram episode, I have a few quick announcements for No Small Thing Podcast. First of all, if you are listening to us, I'm so happy you found us. Um, You can be listening to us on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. And if you enjoy this, subscribe. It totally helps the podcast. We believe that no small thing podcast really is no small thing so every time that you rate review comment share an episode with someone it means so much and it helps to get the podcast out there Um, we're trying to reach a wider audience so we're calling upon our listeners also we have a patreon page if you would like to support the podcast financially if you believe in the work that we're doing uh, there's a lot of expenses, background expenses that it takes to create a podcast. And so uh, Patreon is a way that you can become a patron of something that you love. And we have set that page up and we have some bonus content that we will be creating for our Patreon uh, subscribers. So there's different tiers and ways that you can support and you can find that at www.patreon.com slash no small thing. Lastly, we are on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, but honestly, check us out mostly on Instagram. That's where you will get announcements about what's coming up on the podcast, and you can find out about how you can be engaging with questions that we're going to be asking on the podcast and hear about what topics we're going to be covering in future podcasts. So check us out there. It's pretty fun. Uh, We're just starting to learn how to use the story feature. So here we go. (laughs) Uh, With no further ado, I hope you enjoyed this Enneagram episode. Thank you so much for coming along this Enneagram journey with us. We hope you enjoy. Hey everybody, I'm Scott. And I'm Macy. And welcome to No Small Thing. <laughs> Tonight we're going to be talking about big drum roll. Oh, drum roll. We've been introducing drum rolls. We should really get that in there. The Enneagram. A real drum roll. Specifically the Enneagram ones out mm-hmm. there. We want to do, it would be, I think it would be so fun to just have an Enneagram podcast, but we know oh, there's so many other things we want to talk about. And I, I know we do these big disclaimers. We could do a whole Enneagram thing. We could do a whole podcast on Kendrick. We could do a whole 21 <laughs> Pilots. But, uh, we could I think have a 21 Pilots podcast. <laughs> I think out of all of the ideas, I think Enneagram would be the most fun and easy. The, the ideas just keep coming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we can't wait to talk about it. We're always sort of waiting for the Enneagram episode. So here it is. It's true. I kind of... It's what I look forward to most. And I think it's what... I was explaining it to Reuben... The housemate who's now back, not a ghost. Um, I think we'll I was- post a picture of Reuven on our Instagram to prove his existence. And we're going to have him on the podcast someday. Yeah. He- yeah, we will one day. Um, Let's us. I was uh, 
explain to him that there's something that's so fun about having these episodes every five weeks because it keeps me on my toes Mm. in terms of like being in the work of the Enneagram. I know that I need to bring forth information on the ones. Yes. So I'm I'm really here for it. <laughs> and it's interesting to think how much happens in five weeks. It was a four weeks, five, it's five, five weeks. It's five weeks typically in between, although it's yeah. actually been eight weeks since we've last recorded wow. an Enneagram eight episode. Weeks. Yeah. A lifetime of Enneagram work. It really feels <laughs> like night and day, my yeah. perspective on the Enneagram. Yes. And I think when I go Me back too. and listen, it won't seem as like stark the differences, but mm-hmm. in my life and the way that like I'm practicing the Enneagram, I can see such a clear difference from the wisdom. Yes. So the last episode we did was on the four. <sighs> and, and that I was guess, really growing for me yes. doing that episode. Ooh, big things. Yeah, big things happen. I learned a lot about you myself. You put yourself out there. <sighs> I did. <laughs> but maybe for the... Let's just let's just imagine somebody's joining us for the first time. This yeah. is the first time they've listened to welcome, this podcast. Welcome, welcome to the conversation. Welcome oh my goodness. Hi. <laughs> and uh, so the Enneagram, I'm not going to necessarily explain that right now, but what I'll say is... Uh, it, there's nine types yeah. and we started by discussing five and four because that's what we are. Mm-hmm. Now we're starting at one. Now we're starting at the beginning. Yeah, here we go. I don't Start know where the, the beginning, beginning is technically, but I think the beginning might the technically might be the nine. Yeah, actually. I think you're right. But it's we're starting the crown, at one. Of, the it's the crown of the Enneagram. Yeah. But we're starting at one and, and our plan is to every five weeks on our podcast, every five episodes, we're yeah, going to do an episodes. Enneagram episode. <laughs> and and for Patreon supporters, maybe we'll start doing bonus content. Oh, yeah. I think Enneagram. Sh- any, anything. Okay. Uh, so I think we're going to talk a little bit about what we've learned since our last episode about the Enneagram. About the Enneagram. And mm-hmm. then we'll di- dive deeper into ones. But it feels like we have a lot to cover in terms of what we've discovered about the Enneagram. <sighs> well, what, you start us off. Okay. What, what's something you've learned oh, since the last episode? Eight I've weeks. Learned. Eight weeks. So many. <laughs> okay. I don't even know if maybe what I've learned is probably the right thing to ask in term, but maybe what has been, what aspect of the Enneagram work has been most present in my life is what mm. I'm going to mm. kind of answer. That's a good way of saying it. It's what this- aspect of the Enneagram work has been most present in your life, Macy? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just no, re-asked I like it. the question. I like it. Um, okay. Because I really want to talk about this idea. It comes, I like have been reading the wisdom of the Enneagram, which is like the Bible of the Enneagram. And it's, it's, I think it's, it's the best one. It's not to say that nothing else is, they're all good in their own way. They're all good in their own way. This book has a way of, I can read two pages for a week mm-hmm. and be profoundly affected by them. Yes. And then share about them and then go back to them. And it still is affecting my life. And that is what I'm going to share about. Here it is. Which is some of those pages, which is comes from chapter four in the wisdom of the Enneagram. And it's this idea of cultivating awareness and like basically like catching ourselves in the act, which is what I've been trying to practice in the past, probably eight weeks. It was about eight weeks ago that I like read this chapter and was like blown away by it. And I've kind of stopped reading the book. If that makes sense. Like, yeah, you, you read something that really impacted you and now you just need time to deal with that. Yeah, exactly. You you don't need another thing right now. Yeah. Let me just read it. <laughs> okay, catching ourselves in the act. And uh, by the way, also a very, a very key enneagram phrase is catching yourself in the yeah. act. Yeah. So this is kind as we of, learn. Yeah, I would say almost 
the idea of catching yourself in the act is somewhat like the next step. So you've maybe discovered what your Enneagram type is and you've started to see like, oh, this is a core motivation or fear or like ego like message that I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. And you, this is the next step when you know what yours is. Yes. So I'm going to read this. Okay. Catching ourselves in the act. Sacred traditions from around the world are united in stressing the importance of our being witnesses to our transformation. We are called on to be vigilant, to observe ourselves, and to bring mindfulness to ourselves and our activities. If we want to benefit from this map of the soul, we must cultivate the art of awareness, learning to be a more <clears throat> learning to be more awake to our lives in each moment without judgment and without excuse. Oh, that there is like without judgment and without excuse. Ooh. Yeah, how much unpacking does that require? A lot. I just like I underline that and like started and wrote key because like I think for me it's even just that is the idea of like holding what we're doing our actions lightly we don't have to judge it but we also like can't be like it's totally fine you know it didn't happen right oh yeah that's a good way of saying it. yeah okay I'll keep going (laughs) (laughs) we must learn to catch ourselves in the act of behaving according to the according to the dictates of our personality seeing how we are manifesting mechanically and unfreely from moment to moment When we are able to notice what we are doing now to experience our current state completely and without judgment, the old patterns will begin to fall away. Awareness is vitally important in the work of transformation because the habits of our personality let go most completely when we see them as as they are occurring. Analyzing past behavior is helpful, but it is not as powerful as observing ourselves as we are in the present moment. For example, it is certainly worthwhile to understand why we had a terrible argument with our spouse or we're irritable with an associate or a child. But if while we are having an argument or are being irritable, we suddenly catch ourselves in the act, something extraordinary can occur. In that moment of awareness, we may realize that we do not really want to do the questionable behavior the only seconds before we were so invested in. (sighs) So big. They're so big. So big. And this is the thing with this podcast is I have like five audiences in mind. I have somebody yeah. that's like listening that knows the Enneagram and is like, yep, snaps to that, you know? Yeah. But I also have somebody that's like, what are they talking about? You know, catching yeah. yourself in the act. And that's the thing I really notice when we have conversations with people about this is, mm-hmm. is everybody is so invested in their personality and they, they yeah. don't see the problems. Yeah. Uh, so I, I have a question. Yeah. How do you catch yourself in the act? Okay. Well, I would like to, first of all, preface by saying I'm really learning how to catch myself in the act and I'm finding it kind of difficult mm. because I think kind wow, of yeah, difficult. You should give yourself a lot of credit though because I think I've noticed you've been pretty good at it. I've been trying but yeah. I think I I find myself catching myself in the act like a little bit late if that makes sense. Ah. But I think for me as a four it's catching myself in the act when my emotions are hijacking me. Hijacking. That was another anxiety. It was. It's really how that that word has really been like reopening my life. (laughs) Um, But when I become, I start to, I like have started to learn to cultivate when I'm becoming irrational. And that's when I can be like, hold it lightly, not be like so mad at myself when that's happening. Because I think in the past, when I get into that emotional state where all of a sudden my emotions are leading the charge, which again, I'm not 
perfect at this because I can think of so many times that I'm like, oh gosh, I like let my emotions get the best of me. But I'm practicing when I can sense that and sense that rising to hold it lightly. And as I do, I find myself without having to like work hard to like come down from the emotions because I'm able to give them a space, be aware of them. And I think for me, like honestly, the like phrasing of not judging it, but also not excusing it Mm. is really helpful. Mm. Not judging, but not excusing. I can see it and be like, oh my goodness, that's my ego. I don't need that ego. That that's unnecessary. There's something else going on. So I can kind of like walk myself through that process of being like, okay, I understand that my brain is doing this crazy thing to make this happen, but like maybe I'm going to choose not to do that. And like I have the choice when you catch yourself in the act. It's kind of wild. Yeah, there's a part from Deb in our anxiety episode where she says, you can all by yourself choose to love and offer forgiveness. You can yeah. all by yourself yeah. choose. You're thinking, whoa, I can I can choose all by myself. But you did that out here on the porch just now, I think. It, it, so for, for those of you that don't know fours, and correct me if I'm wrong if I'm not saying this well, they seem to indulge in depressing thoughts mm-hmm. frequently. Mm-hmm. And and to them, it's, oh, we could go. Because I, I heard an insight about fives and eights last night that really struck mm-hmm. me. The insight I heard from an eight last night, a, a, an adult eight. So oh, I have gosh. a daughter that's an eight. I'm a five. Eights go to five and stress. Yeah. So this woman told me, um, when I get into my super contemplative thinking state which is very natural to me yeah my daughter who's an eight would automatically read that as i'm stressed oh he's freaking out like if i was doing that i'd be stressed interesting and i'm like i'm totally in my element right now Hmm. and i think a lot of people perceive fours as for example so macy on the porch just now was thinking about something and uh, something that happened in the past and caught herself in the act i mean you literally did you said i could get super emo right now and yeah. I'm not going to. Yeah. And yeah. and yet, if if we weren't recording the podcast and it was just a normal night and it would be fine if you, you I would could let probably myself. enjoy the emo. You'd, mm-hmm. be, you'd be. This is I'm letting my emotions wash over me. This is this is helpful. I'm processing. Yeah. I'm feeling. I'm alive. Yeah. And we're looking at it as like she's freaking out. Yeah. And you're thinking I'm I'm living. Yeah. No, that's really <laughs> that's a good way to put it. But. <laughs> Yeah, but it's realizing that we do actually have the choice, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like to indulge that or not. That's so human. The choice. It's we have we're in control. Yeah, it's really hard to hear. Like I think for me, there's some days where I could hear this and be like, "Yeah, I do have the choice." Yeah, and there's other days where I think I would I hear this message and I'm like, "It doesn't seem like it. It doesn't seem like I have the choice." <laughs> so like, I just want to put that out there that it's like this is something that's really hard to do, but I'm finding it to be fruitful and the more I'm able to do it, the easier it's becoming. If that makes sense too. It does make sense to me. I don't know if it makes sense to everybody else. So I don't know. There's something about this that like has pushed me to not just look at past experiences. The Enneagram mm-hmm. has to move beyond reflective and start to like be affecting us presently. Mm. I don't know. You do know. You yeah, said it. Those are my thoughts. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Scott has, has his copy of The Wisdom in front of him. We both have our copies of The like Wisdom in front of us. It really the is. The Wisdom of the Enneagram. It's a book. Yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about. 
We're talking about a book. <laughs> yeah, and if you're like... We got a bunch of books here. If you're looking for, you know, you're, you've heard about the Enneagram, you're kind of getting into it, you want to deep dive it, or even just begin the journey, I would suggest this book. I think this yes. is the book. This is the book. I listened to a podcast with Claire Diaz-Ortiz, and she identified, misidentified as a woman. Oh, we found yeah. out through this podcast she was a three. That was wild. Then... The, the the baffling thing she said was that she had never researched the other numbers. And especially as a five, I was thinking, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but I guess the wisdom of the Enneagram is kind of a textbook. So you can go back and look at this at your leisure. Yeah. I'm going to read something from here, but I'll say two things, I think, very briefly that I've learned about, I think, the Enneagram since our last podcast. Mm-hmm. One is and we, we alluded to this, is this idea that it is a journey. Mm-hmm. The Enneagram is a journey and a tool. And it what I think you and I both have been experiencing is it's never ending. No, no, it, no, it, no. It, you don't, It's not like whenever we talk about this, people bring up Myers-Briggs or something or Strength Finders, which is great. Go ahead. But it's not that. It is. Com- I, that's the thing where I, get, I sometimes get frustrated because mm-hmm. I'm like, it's, it's so different when you are actually doing the work of the Enneagram. It's so reductive to say it's like Myers-Briggs. Yes. I'm like, it's so lacking a full understanding. It's not even in, it's too bad that it's even in the same, even when we were posting on our Instagram, we're saying personality types, personality, personality. It's, we're using those words, but it's a different thing entirely. Different and it's hard thing. for me to describe right now, but once you start the journey, it just keeps going. It's, we say to a certain extent, it's like falling down the rabbit hole or whatever, or Alice in Wonderland, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it, it just takes you into the whole new world. And, and yeah. I, and I have to imagine it just keeps going. It just keeps yeah. going. So there is no, oh, I got my number. Now I go about my life. It's you, you learn to catch yourself in the act. You develop practices. So then the second thing I'd say is one of the things I've been realizing about the Enneagram is how it seems that the teachers of the Enneagram really advocate for a, a faith system mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And that that one of I think the wisdom of the Enneagram might have been this book um, has this chart that uh, that as you go on your journey the the top part that you're shooting for is something that they would call holy ideas. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, those have been really blowing yeah. my mind. <laughs> so so it essentially says you, now you've identified these things. Macy was alluding to this of uh, catching yourself in the act, but it, it's essentially saying. You can't do it by yourself. No. You, you need you need a community or a faith system or a belief structure, and then a set of practices mm-hmm. that oftentimes these faith structures give us. Yeah. To it's almost like yoga. I, I'm not I'm not an avid yoga practitioner, but I I understand the act of yoga is not is is different than any other workout because it's it's just the act of showing up that that does it for you the practice mm-hmm. the daily practice it's it's not only bodily but it's spirit mind meditation holistic yeah and uh you don't force it you, mm-hmm. you let the movements and the poses do their work mm-hmm. and i think that's what the enneagram is saying that if you want to improve at some point you're going to have to get yourself into a practice of some kind yeah yeah and and I thought those would be quicker than they well were no and i think that's I'll briefly just share this. Something that's super cool about the Enneagram is it has roots in like, I think all major world religions mm-hmm. and that it there's Enneagram experts and the Enneagram is taught in all different kinds of religions. And it kind of, it, 
it is like really beautiful in the way even just the symbol itself is kind of linked and related to so many holy ideas and so many um like concepts that are so central to major religions around the world yes um i don't know there's something super beautiful about it's like ecumenical nature Ooh, yes yes big fancy word there look it up <laughs> it's you, so funny how i'll use a word like that on i, I, I think I'm, that, I'm an older person so i'm still on facebook they said there was a study recently that yeah 40 percent of millennials fire. in the last two years have left facebook uh so i'm still hanging on by a thread but um you know i'll post a word like that ecumenical and somebody will be like what's that word i'm like just google it just it's google not a big it. deal google I, ecumenical ecumenical just means like have <laughs> But coming from different faiths. Multiple faiths. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, like working together and communicating together and being yeah. in the same room mm-hmm. together. And uh, yeah, that's so like if you means. go to an ecumenical school, it's like, oh, the professors there are from different faith mm-hmm. backgrounds and they are respective of that and like have conversations in regard to that. You could have an ecumenical spirit. Exactly. Yeah. Great. Okay. So here's you have my... Some, he's, he's got the wisdom. I've got the wisdom of the Enneagram and... Uh, I was in what a title it's so it's the best title I every time I'm like it is the wisdom so what I like about the wisdom is it has all the types and long chapters on that but then it's bookended by big things about how to use the 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 Enneagram yeah and I have not read any of the back pages and you have get ready I know because I think this really will resonate for a four so uh, this is for some reason I was reading all this stuff in the Wisdom of the Enneagram on my vacation, but this one just was a bright shining light, and I have not been able to get out of my brain. It's it's telling us how to utilize this information now. So now that you've identified mm-hmm. your number, mm-hmm. that is the first, the the most shallow step. It's <laughs> a very shallow step. Now you got to start doing something with that. It's a shallow step, but it's, I mean, it still takes a while to take, do that shallow step. Big, big giant, I'm not saying this football, <laughs> big giant applause for finding your number. It's a worthy, it's a big step. It's a good step, but it's not, now you've got to do something with that yeah. information. Yeah. So this section I'm about to read is called Giving Up Our Suffering. Whoa, Dang, whoa, tell whoa. Me to give up my suffering? <laughs> Listen to this. Oh, here we go. This German philosopher, is, I, I hope I say it right, Gurdjieff. said something strange and paradoxical that the last thing human beings will let go of is their suffering. Could Mm -hmm. this possibly be correct? If so, why? This was profound for me. First, our suffering is familiar. Mm -hmm. It is what we know, and it therefore feels safer than some other unknown condition. Perhaps we are afraid that if we give up our own personal brand of suffering, Mm -hmm. some new and worse form will take its place. The second reason is probably a more important one, and it should not be underestimated. Much of our identity comes from holding on to our suffering from all the complaints, tensions, conflicts, blaming, drama, rationalizations, projections, justifications, and energy that it allows. Mm. We could even say that it is the root of our personality. If our suffering and everything that surrounded it disappeared, who would we be? If nothing were wrong with us, we would have to confront the fear of standing alone in the present. And we would have to take responsibility for ourselves. We would have to be willing to make choices and see them through to completion. There would be no more blame, no more stories about the past, no more schemes about the future. We would simply become a living human being facing the vast mystery of existence. In fact, we would simply become what we already are. Only now we would fully acknowledge it and live out of that truth. 
Until we reach full self-realization, the personality is going to keep shutting us down to some degree. It is important for us to expect this, otherwise we can get discouraged and give up. If we persist and keep showing up, however, even knowing that we are repeatedly going to fall asleep to ourselves, the situation will change. In time, our essence will arise more frequently. With each awakening, something new is revealed until the, free, until the whole picture radically shifts. Gurdjieff taught that the process is, is akin to adding salt to a glass of water. Nothing seems to happen for a long while until suddenly a saturation point is reached and a new crystal grows in the water. If hmm. we refuse to be passive to the mechanisms of our personality, then we are opening ourselves to the divine grace that is yearning to be active in us. As our being gathers force, we become willing to let go of unnecessary suffering and become ever more deeply aware of the astonishing gift of life. In short, the degree to which we release our attachments and their attendant suffering is the degree to which we free our capacity for joy and life itself. Once we have entered this state, we understand the great poetry of the mystics. Our journey feels less of a struggle and more like being in love. Indeed, the Sufis describe the journey as a return to the beloved. Nothing in life can fulfill us as us if we have not opened our hearts to our true nature. Hmm. But if we have opened our hearts, then everything fulfills us. We then experience the world as an expression of infinite love. Giving up our suffering. Ah. Yeah, that's good. And um, I think there's probably a little bit of explanation leading into that. The way I understood it was, especially in our relationships, Hmm. Hmm. um, I want especially parental types and, and authority figures in my past to know what suffering they caused me. Hmm. And mm-hmm. I find my identity in continually reminding them of that through continuing to suffer. Right. I'm continuing to not, not have the career I want because you said that thing to me in the eighth grade, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm no, it's, it's, it's not harming anybody but me, but I'm yeah. finding a very, comfortable identity in that suffering it's familiar that's what they're saying and who Mm. would i be if Mm. i let go of that yeah and 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 also you're you're finding an identity and causing that person to suffer which you're not even doing right but but you think you are and you're think you're getting vindication and justice yeah look look what you did to me yeah you know i i really related to that yeah and there's something i don't know there's something that's really interesting i heard this in some podcast i think it was enneagram for idiots where they were talking about how like we're all suffering in our own ways and Mm -hmm. the enneagram helps us to consciously suffer and then once we're conscious of it we can let it go but it's hard letting but it's hard letting go i think that's why we it's also it's also semi hard to be conscious of our suffering almost like we're hard to recognize like the ways in which we are kind of self-inflicting mm-hmm. the way we reflect back certain stories and we t- retell the same narratives to ourselves. I think Based- the key in, in terms of this is advice giving, but, but I'm talking to myself. Uh, if anybody wants to know, I think, I think a clue and, and this can go and coincide with catching yourself in the act is self-pity. If, mm. you're, if you're experiencing self-pity, I think that's a shorthand for what this is talking about. Oh, interesting. If you're indulging in that, being like, whoa, it was me. Oh, it was hard. Yeah. Oh, shoot. You know, if only, if only, then then you're you're indulging in your suffering and you're not moving past it. Yeah. Self-pity. Hmm. I have a lot of it. Yeah. A lot of self-pity. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I think, 
Oh, we probably shouldn't even go Woo. off. We probably Woo. shouldn't start Popping moving on. Off. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's our intro. Yeah. That's what we've learned. So coming up next, we're going to kind of dive right into the one and explain a bit more about the one specifically and then hear from Matthew's, like Woo. his one experience. Woo. So that's coming up, y'all. Catch you later. Get an open. <laughs> One of my favorite things about being a one is that I'm self-disciplined. I have a lot of friends who um, think I'm crazy for training for different things. Uh, the thing I'm training for right now is a full marathon and a lot of my friends don't understand where this um, idea of discipline or um, commitment to completing every run comes from and I really think that that stems from my, my oneness and that's something that I absolutely love about myself. Okay, so we're gonna just do a brief intro to the type one, mm -hmm. and and one of the words, the, the um, wisdom of the enneagram gives the one the title of the reformer. We also have heard the perfectionist, and then one Ian Morgan Cron has been using recently that I really like is the improver. Yeah, that's an that's interesting a good one. word. Yeah, uh, it, it's nice, and I think Chris Hewitt's is a little bit like this. It's nice to approach these things in a way that feels can i read a few more names honoring yes please the teacher ooh yes the activist the crusader the moralist the perfectionist or the organizer mm. i like to the say organizer those few words yeah so here here's something i'll say about the enneagram again if uh you're slightly new i think i've i've had this experience thinking the best way to to f discover your number, I think, is to identify your core fear. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe that's not entirely true, but it seems like a great shorthand. A lot. First of all, a test. Everybody wants a test. Don't worry about the test. If if it gets you started, you're not going to find your number. I think truly and authentically through a test. Right. And um. And I think it's through learning about all the types that you kind of find your home at one type. Yeah. And as Macy and I have been talking to people about it we'll 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 do a reading like there's one there's one book i have called the essential enneagram and we'll read it to someone and they say eh, and then we'll read another one another number eh, another number and they're not quite identifying yeah when i'm sitting next to someone and i say a nine's fear is losing connection with the people they love instant tears hmm. and they say that's me i'm yeah. like yeah just identify your core fear that's yeah. that's it 
Yeah, I think for some people that's the way. So a fear, a, a one's basic fear is of being bad or defective, evil or corrupt. Yeah. That's that's what they walk around fearing. I think they fear like not being a person of integrity. Mm-hmm. Like they're always focusing on being a person of integrity mm-hmm. and like they can't ever let that go. Yeah. And it says here their basic desire is to be good, virtuous, in balance, and to have integrity. Yeah, yeah. And it says their superego message is you're good or okay if you do what's right. Yeah, so that's the message that their their ego is always telling them. And they're mm-hmm. always functioning out of that lens of like needing to do what's good because that will be what keeps them okay. And that's where they're that's where they find themselves is in doing and being good. Ooh. It's really action oriented too when you yeah. think of it as like being in an instinct. Behavior oriented. Yeah. Of like this is what is I am this is what we're all meant to do is to be here, do good, be people of integrity. They're kind of like the the teachers of that's the good word of like the way we should like all be living kind of mm-hmm. heavy quotes. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I guess that's another, um, you know, image that the wisdom of the Enneagram has is, is that our personalities are like a cast and they're mm-hmm. there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And so for whatever reason, who knows, it's all different for everyone, I'm sure. But yeah. they, the cast they developed was uh, this need to be good. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing with all these numbers. There's a, there's an amazing beauty to that, that we all need to learn from. Yeah. Yeah. And a, a, a beautiful contribution. But then I think probably the downside of that is the unnecessary stress. I imagine a one walks around in the world feeling for not mm-hmm. being in heavy quotes. Perfect. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They always, they're kind of people who set standards and they set the highest standards for themselves typically. Mm -hmm. And they set standards for the people around them and for what the world should be. And they, they set goals and they, they have ideals of what could be and they hold themselves to that. And I think that that's so beautiful and a gift they offer the world. And yeah, I, there is, I almost want to read this now as one of my friends shared with me, about being a one and she oh. called it a burden and a blessing oh but but and I thought let's that was read such these good things language. i forgot about that yeah we should really read those there, there's some comments from our instagram and there's some comments from your friends yeah Do you want to read the friends and i'll read the instagram sure 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 yeah okay. sure 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 and this is something that <laughs> their friend sent me her name's caitlin and she's someone who went to college with lived on the dorms with and she's a part of my like college like small group you know mm-hmm. the gathering of people um <laughs> <laughs> I like how you said that with a twinge of jokiness. Well, Small it, group. It's just like really cliche, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't like to be cliche. To a certain crowd, it's cliche. Yeah, and probably to the others, crowd who not. listens to a podcast on the Enneagram. Maybe. Who knows? Um, okay. So she said, for the podcast, um, being a one for me feels like constantly having the blessing and burden of seeing what's wrong around me, needs improvement, or in my mind, fixing. Although this stirs a passion in me to pursue justice and see a world in which justice prevails, it often brings a sense of hopelessness and despair when I don't see these existing around me. Ooh, man. Oh, it's so heavy. That, she yeah, sent me like another text Ooh, that I will follow it. up with. And then she said some other thoughts. Years of therapy and supportive friends have allowed me to believe less and less that the internalized voice from childhood that says I'm not good if I'm not perfect is true. I now believe that I've been called good from the start and that grace, acceptance, and love isn't earned by living up to my high standards. 
I'd like to pause wow. and say that I think she's done some good reflective work. Uh, yeah. I would yeah. like to say that I think the word that is maybe the most beautiful and like best word for ones is grace. Ooh. Like if accepting grace and hearing grace is so, I think, healthy and good and like ones out there know like it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I, and then she said, uh, one final thing, it's still an ongoing life going an ongoing lifelong process for me that I hope to continue growing in and healing. Like, yes. And then she said, sleeping at last Enneagram one song speaks to my soul and all ones should listen. Expect the waterworks to come. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) That you should listen to that song. And it causes us to have so much empathy. Over time That every imperfection is a lie Or at least an interruption Now hold on, let me finish No, I'm not saying perfect exists in this life sleeping at last song you're like is this how ones are is this what they're thinking oh my gosh yeah yeah um do you have another friend nope that was it the other ones so then i'll say uh you you guys we're really still i think we're in the i'll personally just say there's a five tendency with me with our Instagram. I'm I'm just in study mode i'm like what works i know me too i I really look at inside we posted three different things on one Enneagrams. And this one is the one that took, it's like a comic. It's like a comic. I don't know if it's because of the picture. Cause essentially our other two posts, one was a SpongeBob meme. And then there's a picture of you, a doodle of the Enneagram. And it's like, we actually more aggressively asked for feedback in those. Yeah. But this comic got more feedback. Yeah. Not feedback. Uh, comments interaction engagement yeah yeah so but it's kind of cool I'm, i was really excited about it so here's what we said we said uh well we asked the question uh read your thoughts on the podcast what's hard and fu- slash fun about being a one what areas of your life do you like to perfect or improve or if you are close to a one what is fun challenging about th- that relationship yeah so i don't know how to read people's instagram names we have kf Ab photography. KFAB photography. KFAB photography. She says, I'm a one. I have a constant list of things to be done running through my head. I don't, first of all. KFAB <laughs> yeah, photography. I do not. <laughs> and I have to work really hard not to continuously focus on how to quote unquote fix or quote unquote perfect everything and everyone. The and everyone yes, thing is interesting. Yeah. My house is always clean. Oh, <laughs> well. So great insight. Very helpful. Uh, then we have Oki.fish. <laughs> and she says, hi, I'm a one. Who are these people? I'm so excited. They're commenting on the Instagram. I know. This is so Thank fun. you so much. Yeah. I'm a one and I have found that I really enjoy being incredibly invested in a few things, though I think it can be a little overwhelming for me and for others. Hmm. I also enjoy when everything falls into place and is quote unquote right. It's this wonderful feeling of gratification. What's hard is the need to have everything in order to do quote unquote well mm. and to be doing everything on time or ahead of my own personal schedule. 
I hope that helped. It did. That it did, did help. help. I really like that, like, to do, like, to have everything in order to do well. Yeah. I think that's, that's like, exactly what the ego order, message is. Yes. Is that you're not well unless you're doing everything Getting that's that good and expected of you. order. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Then we have uh, Maddie Corbatix. I don't know. <laughs> These are Instagram words. Yeah. Names. I think her name's Maddie. Um, so she says, I, I think she was the first to respond. I'm an Enneagram one. The most fun part about being one is probably that when I'm healthy, I can go to my seven space hmm. and have fun adventures and love life and just let go. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. So she sounds pretty knowledgeable at the Enneagram. Go to her seven space. Yeah. The hardest part about being one is the inner critic hmm. constantly telling me that I could be doing better, that I'm not doing enough. Then I feel guilty. The things mm. I love to improve in my life are my health and wellness, my journey with God, and my house when it needs cleaning, which is always. <laughs> it's hard to remember grace that's given to me, but when I can remember, it's so, so freeing. freeing. So well said. Hmm. I love this. I love Instagram engagement. Yeah. Was there one more comment Simple. on a different post? Oh, maybe. I, I think don't want to miss it. Oh, I think I'm wrong. Happens. We invited comments and we didn't get any. That, that right. one got some comments. I don't know why. Yeah. Thank you so I'm much. So and curious. I think Enneagram twos, twos out there. Anyone's a two. That will be coming in five weeks. Get ready. We're <laughs> going to be asking for your feedback. You could start now. And we're proving <laughs> that we're going to honor your engagement by reading <laughs> We've proven these it. comments. Yeah, yeah. So that's the one. Is that's there anything the else to share? In the wisdom of the Enneagram, on the, on the margins, like on the sides, they have this... Uh, they have these phrases and quotes that are sort of oh, these are typical so... of the number. And so I, I always have so much fun reading these. They're so funny. So usually. I think we'll read, I'll read these and then we'll head into our interview. Okay, with that's our, a good idea. Our friend and producer, Matthew. <laughs> um, so ones are t can typically be heard saying things like this. I know how things should be done. <laughs> Just that sentence. <laughs> the way you said it too. <laughs> Everyone is so lazy and irresponsible. I think they're probably thinking that yeah. about me all the time. <laughs> There's a sensible way of handling everything. <laughs> <laughs> right is wrong and wrong is wrong. <laughs> oh, is it I read it like? Right, right is right and wrong, wrong is wrong. wrong and there is no exception. There are no exceptions. Oh, can I? That's one thing that I want to note yeah. is that we didn't talk about this, but so one's um, one part of their like lens and experience is they, they typically are probably the most black and white thinking. Mm. Um, they have a sense of right Eight's and wrong. Eight's oh, eight. That's probably true. I wonder if that's no, cause nines don't Yeah, say instinct. Um, but I was about to roast nines, but I'm not <laughs> <laughs> ones typically have a hard time being swayed to like, change their views yes like if they they think something they typically are like yep that's what it is and this is right and then that becomes a guidepost for what is right and wrong from there on and they sometimes have a harder time backing up and like accepting a gray area that's what's so hard about identifying yourself on the surface it can look like a certain thing mm -hmm. black and white thinking ones and eights do it for different motivations yeah. eights don't want to be controlled ones want to be right yeah oh yeah true that's it and so um, one's like having an answer. One's like having something that is right and they can have, oh, that's reliable. This is right. And if I follow this, then I can just follow this. This is good and right mm -hmm. and I know this. Mm -hmm. And so they can just tunnel vision into a right. Yes. Here's one, a few more. I hear more quotes. One, one thing you <laughs> might hear one saying, at least maybe to themselves, I've got to get myself under control. Hmm. Hmm. 
Uh, I think that's it. I think that's it in terms of the... Oh, Perfectionism yeah. is self-abuse of the highest order. Wow, Ooh. I just read a really intense one. That is. Woo-woo-woo. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, uh, we've tonight we've covered what we've been learning about the Enneagram, and now uh, we've been talking about ones, and now we're actually interviewing a real one. So... A real one. A real one. Not uh, so. Up next, we're gonna interview our friend and producer Matthew Lauder. Get excited. <laughs> So tonight we have our friend and producer Matthew with us, and we're really excited to talk to him. And he's been sitting here listening, and so and it's kind of funny. I think Macy's l- laughing because now we're introducing Matthew. Yeah, Matthew's now here. But uh, in, in, in pure one fashion, he talked. In pure one fashion, he's been quietly and appropriately listening and not interrupting. <laughs> it's True. been very nice. I've been doing it right. You've been doing it right. Doing it right. <laughs> and he, hi, I'm Matthew. I'm excited to get interviewed. Matthew's Woo! here. Matthew, I think our first question, at least my first question, is we just kind of explained the one. Mm-hmm. And we did it in our way as a four and a five explaining a one. Yeah. How would you describe being a one yes. as a one? Yes. Um, I forget whose name it was. I think it was your friend from college who said, always being aware of what's bad. Hmm. And I guess, and that I really resonate with that. But I, w- I would say for me, being a one is always having a judgment call Hmm. constantly about everything nothing is too small so like it's no small thing in a a very different way (laughs) so like the thoughts i'm having some of them are good and some of them are bad Hmm. the way i walk so sometimes i can walk well and sometimes i can walk poorly walk poorly like (laughs) <laughs> um the re- reactions i have to things is already are worth co- the price of admission good um so just constantly having an mm. evaluation of everything oh that's good language it's kind of that's kind of like a very negative view of it but there you go it's just an honest view yeah i think it's an mm. honest view i think i yeah. mean the work of the enneagram is to look at the shadow self yeah. so that makes sense. Wow. Yeah. Walking. It's it's like, obviously, maybe not always literally walking. That might be your thing. But what I'm hearing is just the sense of there's always an evaluation taking place. Yeah. Mm. Woo. And it's just Woo. if I if I notice it. I used to be really pigeon-toed. And so now I like, like to make sure that I'm walking straight. Wow. Oh, so like, gosh, that's wild. Like you actually really think about how to walk the right way. Yeah. That is super interesting. (laughs) Wow. Isn't it so crazy how we're all so different? Yeah. It is wild. That is wild. That's an... Wow, I'm already... Right out the gate. Right out the gate. Some hot takes here. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. I think we're going to ask about um, Matthew's journey of discovery. Like, how did you figure out you were one? Mm, That is a good question. Um, Thank you by the way, for complimenting my question. <laughs> <laughs> um, it started, I think, 
Mm, okay, it started a long time ago where I just heard the Enneagram off, like, just off the cuff, the name, and then it, it was called, like, a personality typing system. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, kind of confused, and I didn't know, and I just didn't think about it. And then I think it was, I think it was while Macy and I... We're interns together? We're interns together. No, no, it was a time before that when I, when I, I took the ready the Riso Hudson test. For, oh, um, okay. To you did it right. Kind of, <laughs> and well, the result I got was six. Mm. Oh, interesting. Once and in this, six, often mistype. And this is actually very interesting too. When I got the six and it started talking about fear, mm. I was like, oh no, <laughs> this is mm-hmm. wrong, mm-hmm. and it kind of s- seemed almost like the feeling you're supposed to with quotation marks supposed to have when you read about your type you're supposed to like really react to it and kind of hate it kind of hate it yeah and so i at the time i was wondering like oh gosh is this mean i really am a six but i had a really big feeling of no this isn't quite right yeah and then i think when when macy and i were interns together Mm -hmm. 2016 2017 wow Yep. Then I I retook the ready, and also started listening. I listened that was a while ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I listened to the liturgist the liturgist episode on the enneagram multiple times, and at that point I thought I was a four. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was That's a part of his journey. I was there. I was identifying as a four, and a lot of it really valid. By the yeah, way, yeah. valid. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I had, I'm sitting here looking and talking to Matthew. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, and and side note, I, I don't want to interrupt. I am interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> this is the journey. I hope everybody's hearing this. If you're interested in the Enneagram and don't know it, or even if you've just done the surface level work, mm-hmm. it takes some time. Like a lot of time. Matthew's highlighting that right now. Because to f- understand your Six, number four, is to one. also, on some level, once you have the language of the numbers, then you start to see yourself living out those numbers and then you can be a little bit more aware of when you're typing yourself Mm -hmm. so it is a journey to type yourself yeah Mm -hmm. oh and it Mm -hmm. certainly was for me um and the typing myself as a four again yeah like like you said valid and it made a lot of sense for me um this was my first year out of high school and kind of the defining moment wow of my high school experience was choosing to do running start hmm and which for what people is Star, who yeah. are maybe outside of the U.S. or Washington, outside well, yeah, yeah, and outside of Washington, they call it something else. We didn't have it in California. There's a thing in California like it. Oh, I never heard of it. <laughs> anyway, it's where your junior and senior year of high school, you get to take classes at a local junior college or community college, or just or two year college. Um, there's a lot of different names for those. And the classes you take and the credits you get count towards your high school diploma, and they are also college credits. Hmm. So it's a really good tool mm. for, um, for, well, like, this is kind of big picture, but for upward mobility for like, um, for you know the whole state. It's a very good initiative. Hmm. Yeah. But for me, it was a very unhealthy choice. Hmm. I made this choice because I wanted to be special. All of my friends were doing the like advanced program at, at my high school yeah and i just wanted to be different hmm. and for in your tri-type 
Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, one in f- ones and fours. I'm going to get to it. Yeah. Okay, go for it. <laughs> There's a, such a strong relationship. Yeah. Um, and so my first year out of, out of high school with Macy at, working at UPC, um, I was still riding that wave of the consequences of choosing to do Running Start. Hmm. And... I was feeling a lot of emotions, a lot of them negative. I was still living with my parents. Hmm. So the identity as a four really did make sense for hmm. a long time. Um, oh, gosh. Should, can, like, should we say that like ones when they're in stress, mm-hmm. that, that is their, they still are essentially a one and yet they also will exhibit and like lean into behaviors of a four. So they're in terms of the way the Enneagram um, like movement, uh, a, a four when they're integrating moves towards one like characteristics mm. and a one often in disintegration or stress will lean towards four tendencies. And that's not to say that leaning towards your four tendencies is always bad because we have a relationship to them and we can call on them, but right. it's out of stress that we tend to kind of grab onto those tools of the, the four, I guess. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and yes, it did, yes, yes. it makes a lot of sense if you're looking at like the aspects of my life. I was living at home with my parents who I'm very different from and it was rough to live with them for a whole year after high school. I was working not in the place where I had originally wanted um, the summer beforehand. The last stage is strangely the one I remember the least was going realizing I was a one. Hmm. And it it was either. I mean, I feel like I was really alongside that as you were like, am I a one? Am I a four? Am I a one? Am I a four? Yeah. I think it was that summer that I was doing that summer 2017. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when, and I think that's fitting too, because then like, I think by the fall I was solidified. I'm a one. Oh my gosh. I was depressed for a whole year and thought <laughs> I would, and was so unhealthy that I thought I was a four. <laughs> um, it's fine. We're, we're very young. Yeah. Everyone. <laughs> Oh, that's another thing too. I mean, obviously I'm in like youth pastor mode saying this, but this generation, your generation is more anxious and depressed than any other generation. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a epidemic. It's Mm -hmm. really scary. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm 20 years old. I still feel a little bit like a high schooler to be honest. Yeah. You don't act like one. That's good. You're very wise. I acted this way in high school. I really respect you guys. Well, Thanks. Yeah. What a nice moment. Great. We have this much respect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my respect for what it's worth. Um, yeah. So that's kind of my story of typing myself. Mm. Did that? I forget. Well, the Well, you didn't question. necessarily that's a great explain like what what about what? the one where you like mm. when you found home in the one. You know. Mm. Really, what drew me was the inner critic. The inner critic. Yeah. I have such a harsh inner critic yeah explain that more because ones are known for this we all have voices in our heads but ones are like really known for having a a voice that's kind of never ceasing and (laughs) yeah you just explain it because ones always talk about it in such a profound way oh (laughs) pressure's on oh gosh i'm so sorry (laughs) don't worry about it don't worry about it that's good that's really good (laughs) well i hope i just in their way yeah (laughs) I I, t- I guess I talked about it a little bit earlier, but I'm always aware of, I'm always hearing that was bad. 
Hmm. Oh, that was, that could have been better. Hmm. You could have done that better. You messed that up. Oh, oh gosh. gosh. You chose to do that. Oh, all the time about everything. Yeah, Oof. that's heavy. Um, and mostly, and I think this is not experienced by all ones, but for me, it's very much self-focused. Hmm. It's pretty much all about me and hmm. almost n- never about other people hmm. or other things. So I think that's where I differ from your friend who said, I see the bad and I want to fix it in the world. And I do. And I think as I'm growing, I do it more of like seeing how my oneness could be helpful. Mm-hmm. But for up to up to now, definitely mm-hmm. it's all been self-focused. Hmm. So yeah, that that was really what kind of oh like solidified. Oh wow, I'm a one. Yeah, was it helpful to hear about the inner critic? Yeah, yeah, and I don't think I thought that was. I think I thought that was just my conscience. I thought everybody mm. else felt that way too. Oh, I had a conversation about someone recently about the idea of a conscience. It was and me. It was you. Yeah. And you're talking about it how it's someone. like this like voice and it's speaking to you and always telling you things. And I was like, that is not what a conscience is to me. Like, mm-hmm. that's not my experience, you know? Yeah. So that's what's so interesting is I can relate kind of, but not to that extent. Yeah. And then... Oh. More recently on Lexapro. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just get real. Yeah. I'm, I have I have depression, mm-hmm. which is actually does really affect my Enneagram journey. Yeah. And so you're really, you are hearing the story of a one, but you're also hearing the story of a one with depression. Mm-hmm. So that's something. Um, I, this summer added Lexapro to Bupropion. So those are the things that I'm taking right now. And I think it does a little bit suppress my inner critic. Hmm. Um, and I've been feeling that kind of conscience, that knowing of what's bad and what's good as a more of like a body feeling hmm. of just like, Whoa. and it's at more important times when it's actually useful, hmm. I think. Of and it's like, a less like mean, harsh voice. Right. It's a more of just a feeling of, oh, I know that like whatever... Maybe I'm a thought I'm having or an experience I'm having isn't like fitting right and I don't need it or Hmm. like I or it it needs change. Like you're able to maybe consciously say I don't need to listen to that voice. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's big. That's that's gotta be hard. Yeah. (sighs) I appreciate you being so honest about it. Oh, Oh, me too. It's really helpful. Yeah. I I'll go for it. I'm just saying when you add these things into it, whether it's depression or ADD or something, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's, it, it, it seems to complicate your number discovery, mm-hmm. you know? Definitely. Yeah. 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 And I'll go for it. Oh, and it also, it really uh, is affecting how I'm growing with the Enneagram as well. Hearing you guys talk about earlier about that shallow step of like finding your number and then like catching yourself in the act, really diving deep. I'm having to do that very slowly. Mm -hmm. I think I'm still discovering myself Hmm. and obviously you never stop discovering yourself, but I think I'm just now like starting to realize that I don't quite know myself. Maybe just learning how not finished I am. Hmm. Hmm. Like, and that I'm allowed to be 
not <laughs> not perfect. I guess that's yeah, yeah that's the that's one so, growth. It's really interesting hearing you say that because it, it is a really one way of thinking in terms of like reaching some finishing thing and something being complete and perfect and whole. Yeah. Like that's a one ideal almost. And yeah. it's something they offer. Yeah. But there's maybe growth in saying maybe there isn't a perfect. Right. Wow. It's really interesting just to think, uh, first of all, I'm 19 years older than Matthew. Isn't yeah. that funny to think about? Yeah, that's crazy. for me to think about. That's uh, like insane when you think about it being like a, a whole another life. I'm a whole life older than Matthew. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. A, 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 an adult life. An adult life. 19. <laughs> older than Matthew. Um, but it's interesting to think. So when I first... We all know each other from working in a church. Yeah. That's the yeah. whole premise of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the premise. That's yeah. just like yeah, whatever. This, uh, the expose. So when I started at this church, Matthew was a senior. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting just to think back to this trip. I'm trying to... I'll, I'll really quickly try to paint a picture. We're going to Mexico to build houses. Mm-hmm. And I'm new to this. I've never done it. You know, and Matthew's done it a few times, three or four by this trip? Uh, just two. Two? Okay. So, enough to get your one juices activated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had already... <laughs> <laughs> let's let's do it. On the building teams mm-hmm. for this trip, there are different, like, everybody specializes for a day. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the master builder. So I had, by the time I was a senior, I was with Scott. I had already been a master builder the previous year. So I was kind of in my element. I'm also like, kind of like the one thing that I've been doing my whole life is like working at camp, mm. being like a camp counselor. Yeah. And so there was that an element of that of mm. like kind of leading this me- small Mexico group, mm. and so I like kind of felt confident in that. And then I had already been a master builder for a year, so I felt confident in that. So I was really oh, wow, in my you element. really were the oh, one juices one were juice. flowing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So but, yeah. it was really no problem that Scott didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> I, I well, I had no idea what I was doing. And now that I think back to that Mexico trip, I was really wanting it up out there. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. <laughs> I there were there were two master builders. It was me and someone else. And her leadership style was so different mm-hmm. from mine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was constantly like like I feel like I'm taking over Annie. Do you want to do something? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? But she didn't need to. <laughs> this is great because I was going to tell a big story, but you're doing it, oh. which is better coming from you. Okay, <laughs> and in a very self-aware way. Okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> and I was really like, I knew when we needed to do stuff. I knew what needed to do needed to be done. So let me just I, say this like, side note. Side note: You have this new youth pastor. I'm, I'm the new guy. Right. I've never done this trip. You've done it. Yeah. And uh, I'm not. I'm not any help. I'm I'm minus help. I'm not even medium help. You were not minus help. Uh, The only thing I could do is like go around and encourage people. I was like, doing a good job, Matthew. Which that is essential and helpful. Please do not underestimate that world. I felt so (laughs) loved and pastored, which is something that we hadn't had before because we were pastorless. Um, (laughs) You were also just as effective as like a student. So it was useful. (laughs) I was. But yeah, you really took charge. I did. Yeah. Yeah, 
You organized it. You knew was, the way to do it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there was a booklet that told us exactly how to do everything. That's and, so nice. And I had my own copy. That's not normal. <laughs> <laughs> and I had made sure to like read it few, read it through a few mm-hmm. times before the trip. Yeah. You're in your element. But yeah. I even remember this idea. Like I had never been to Tijuana. I went to a, I went on a Mexico mission trip when I was a sophomore in high school. So by this time, it would have been like 20 years previous. These, these, these it, white people. The, I know. This is what we do. Uh, guys, we know. Yeah. We, this is what we do. We go around the world fixing things. Heavy quotes. Heavy quotes. But um, <laughs> if you want us to do an episode on short-term mission trips, I would maybe gladly. we will. Bonus episode for Patreon support. <laughs> um, no, but I had never done this. And... I remember I'm driving the van across the border. New experience for me. And Matthew, now looking back in retrospect, it's interesting to think about this in a one way. Just as we're crossing the border, he's like, Scott, you need to turn down the music. Turn turn down the music. He's like, hey, everybody, look, as we're crossing the border, you got to pay attention to this. (laughs) This is really important for you to, to notice and appreciate this. Uh, hey, stop talking over there. Hey, you know what you need to know is this is really important. And just this dialogue. And I'm, I'm just, I'm loving it. I'm like, this is great. I don't really know Matthew very well. This is really helpful, but it's like, we're crossing the border. Turn down the music is important. Here's how you cross the border. Here's the way. Here's the way. And here, Scott's obviously not going to do it. He's new. He's, he's a dope. You know, I I gotta, I gotta step in and do the speech. Yeah. You know, because it has to be done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It, there's, there's like a sense that that has and, to be done. Yeah. yeah and <laughs> it's not like this isn't standard for Mexico stuff. This was just what I had experienced my first year at Mexico. <gasps> and so mm. obviously that was the perfect way to do it. And to be fair, I when I did experience it my first year at Mexico, it was very profound. Mm. So I wanted to like right, right. spread that. This is me defending myself, I guess. But, but, but no, it was that's good. The, that's the goodness and the yeah. shadow side. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it was a good thing. I was like, thankful for it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's when it, you think it's the only thing that there is yeah. a problem. Right. You know. Yeah. So yeah, the, I hadn't. Lo- I haven't looked back on that. I, yeah. As a, from a one perspective, but I, w- I was really a pure one that week. A pure nice. one. <laughs> well, you were probably blissed out on some level. I, did you have some seven moments? Yeah. Mm, yeah, I did. Not on the site because that's work. <laughs> But <laughs> definitely, and sevens go to ones go seven in health. Yeah, mm-hmm. and wow. I think it's when ones can let go. It's when ones can say, "Oh, I've maybe I can let you. something it's go," true. and then they they let themselves have fun. Hmm. And yeah. a one having fun and like not being rigid, it's like so such sweet. a gift. To th- it's so beautiful. My advice for ones is to not have um, such high expectations that if you don't meet them, you feel disappointed. I think it's good to have goals and things that you aspire to, but you can't always meet um, every expectation that you have for yourself. And that's okay, and you'll learn how to get there at some point. And I think it's also important to understand that people have different goals and values and morals. The Enneagram has three kind of triads within it, and this has probably been mentioned in previous um, 
episodes and it's something to that's a really unique and cool aspect of the Enneagram and I would encourage you to explore it further. I'm going to briefly just say that there's three parts mind body heart and so mind would be the thinking triad which Mm -hmm. is associated with fear and that would be numbers five sixes and sevens Mm -hmm. and then the heart would be the feeling triad which is always it's typically associated with shame Um, And that would be the twos, the threes, and the fours. And then the body triad, which is kind of the instinct triad, the the bodily is, the emotion behind it is typically called rage or anger. And so they all kind of exhibit... That's 891. 891, yeah. Um, And they all kind of exhibit those in different unique ways. We all represent a different part. That's Mm -hmm. really interesting. Yeah, Here we are, heart, mind, body. Shame, fear... So rage. Much, you have so much shame. Here we are. I do have a lot of shame. I have true. so much fear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that that actually is really helpful. This language of shame is so helpful for me. Mm. Um, and is, as we go talk about rage or anger. Hidden rage or anger. Yeah. So that's what's really interesting about the type one is, um, and Matthew, you can tell me how you experience this, but from what I read and from my understanding is that a one's anger is typically is kind of pushed down and it's held down within them and they maybe don't even recognize it being there but it's typically express expresses itself in a resentment and almost it presents itself in a bodily anger like people can experience it in their Mm. rigidness and the way in which they're they're exerting something with their energy Mm. um and it's Mm. an anger within but it's it's kind of like a suppressed anger Mm. That is trying to get out, but they're pushing it down. Yeah. Does that sound? Yeah. Um, I can definitely say, yeah, like the like holding rigidness and like trying to keep everything together is definitely mm. something I experience. As far as anger goes, I, this was actually like, <laughs> this is going back to my like evangelical camp days mm. um, where part of my testimony Oh, my I, goodness. oh boy! Oh um, boy! Was I was a really angry kid hmm. when I was little. Hmm. Um, and then you learn not to be angry. Yeah, and it would like come out in ways that I, that I really didn't like. But I would get so angry, hmm. and it would be so physical for me. Hmm. And Whoa. this is maybe new for some people. I kind of have lived a crazy life. I have eight siblings. <laughs> Eight siblings. Yeah, hear that, what everyone. Let happening that sink in. in the and world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eight siblings. I can't imagine. Um, and <laughs> we're all within two years of each other. Well, except there's a three-year gap. But So we're all pretty close in age. And I have five brothers. There's six boys all together. So we really, like, we could get pretty physical. Right. I literally have scars from my, my brothers. Um, and so this would manifest in me hurting my brothers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which like, those are some of like my earliest low moments mm-hmm. that I like regret so hard. The first of like the, there, there are two big ones. I don't really know if I want to share these. But even now you're being critical. Well, and I yourself. have thoughts about this in the sense of, I wonder how these memories of you, you're saying you regret them so much and like you, you're holding such like shame around them that, that in itself seems yeah. to be like these were formative in you 
telling yourself it wasn't okay to be angry. Right. So I need to hide that. Right. Well, yeah. It's me that like was passing letting a judgment that was letting, on it. Letting go. Ye- in a negative way almost. Or ye- wait, losing control. Losing control. Yeah. Mm. Um, one time fighting my brother Jonathan, who's four years older than me, on in our basement. So the ground is concrete. And this is just wrestling? No, I was angry at him. Oh, okay. Don't I don't remember why. To fight. Yeah, I mean, there was a reason with quotation marks um, <laughs> that I was angry. I have two brothers, by the way, so I, I relate to a little bit of like brother fighting. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and I ended up on top of him, and I slammed his head into the concrete. Mm. And I remember the sound, mm. and I remember the sick feeling I had. Mm. He didn't like nothing was broken. I don't. I, he might not even have had a like a concussion, but would he remember this? I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. But I remember it, and I remember yeah. like, I mean, he cried, and I like just remember like really hating myself in that moment mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. like the pain I had inflicted on him, yeah. and that I was capable of that, hmm. and I scared myself, hmm. and that was kind of a big moment of like okay, I never want to do that again. Hmm. I'm not going to. Wow, that's really interesting. And so like, it was like after that moment that I was like, I'm going to get this under control. Hmm. And there are ways in which that was good for me to stop beating up my brothers. Yeah. Um, but ways in which <laughs> it was bad. Beating up your brothers. Yeah, but ways in which it was bad in which I was like, you know, suppressing real emotions that I had. Yeah. Um, and there then, wasn't a space to put that energy because there still is that angry energy. I'm like doing a timeline right now, so we'll get to the present. Sorry, I'm so yes. sorry. That mm. was me correcting you, oh. being a one. We're gonna, Hi. Get, we're, we're gonna allow ourselves to be corrected by the one tonight. Oh please, yeah, um, correct away. <laughs> and then the second moment is probably, I think, the last <laughs> time I remember, like screwing up or like backsliding and letting my letting that anger go and it was when i was in like middle school or something Mm. so pretty old for Mm. like anyway and i was babysitting pretty pretty old to be backsliding matthew (laughs) ashamed (laughs) (laughs) you're in middle school now man stop backsliding (laughs) oh gosh isn't that great that's such a one thing to say yeah um i was supposed to be and this is also so one too. Um, <laughs> I was supposed to be uh, babysitting my little brothers. Well, my parents were like, I don't know, like on a date or something, um, or I not even something that long. They were at like ch- a church meeting or something. Um, and I was like cooking dinner. It was in the oven, and my little brother Simeon thought they were done. And I said, no. They're not done on the package. It says, I don't know, 12 minutes. It's not over yet. Yeah. You, have, you have to do it right. Enneagram number one. <laughs> <laughs> you got to follow those instructions on yeah. that package. Yeah. And so I like, f- <laughs> and I'm sure he was like also hangry at this point. Mm. And so mm. I physically blocked him from opening the oven. Mm. And he was like super angry, but we were both so heated. And like... There was like a little like pushing, but it ended in me judo flipping him onto <laughs> his back. 
What does that entail? Like a flip? Yeah, I just flipped him. Yeah, he yeah, landed I, fl- on his I back. flipped him. <laughs> I just flipped him. Um, Which you, I, I feel like Simeon too. could flip you now. Oh, yeah. for sure. For sure. He did wrestling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's like also like a foot taller than me or something. <laughs> um, but then like at that moment, like he got so hurt that he stopped being angry and just started being like. I think Sad. I think scared. Scared. Mm. I think I scared Ooh. him. Mm. Ooh, that hurts for a one. And yeah. yeah. And I like uh, gosh. So that was like another moment of like this is the last time that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um oh, these seem to be formative. The burden. Yeah. The burden though. Mm-hmm. Like to 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 think that you're striking out on a a journey or a life of of self-correction and suppression of those yeah. and fixing emotions. myself yeah. oh mm. yeah. Um, yeah and there was also something else i had been thinking about this week leading up to this episode was some pretty formative moments of like kind of another side of being a one this isn't really relating to the the anger the stuff that we started with but i remember very clearly my parents telling us all the time just tell the truth when you do something wrong. Like you'll get mm. in less trouble if you don't lie about it. Mm. And I don't even remember what I did, but I broke some rule and then I lied about it. Mm. And then I you felt double down on doing wrong things on some. Yeah. Things. I did t- two wrong things. Yeah. Um, wrong things. Um, and then I remember like feeling so ashamed mm. And I remember going to the cherry tree in front of our house and climbing up and like crying mm. because I had done such a, two bad things. <sighs> and then I like took a deep breath and I like remember hearing my mom's voice saying to not lie mm. about it and you will get in less trouble. And I was like, okay, I need to fix it. And so I went back and told my mom, I lied. I really did that thing. I don't even remember what I did. Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, And like from that moment, I was like, and it worked. She said, you know what? Okay. Like you, like there was a punishment, but I'm glad you told me the truth. And like, that means something. Mm. And I was like, okay, the rules work. Like that makes sense. I did. I did work. Yeah. I did what I was supposed to do. And it turned out the way that I expected wow this is the way to do things oh now. my brain is being expanded right now yeah because <laughs> because just the way we all approach that situation you could i, I like the idea of inserting every number oh me too i was thinking of how an eight would respond yeah. so like, that's right mm-hmm. i broke that rule you know yeah a, a five i'd be sitting in the tree and be like what is a rule anyways like who says <laughs> and oh. then mom says and then what i broke it and then now what does dad say but what is I, I would just I, I would be spinning into what is a rule. Mm. Who says I broke it? Yeah. I think I would probably be similar in the sense of like going to the the image of going to a cherry and sitting and crying. Yeah, that was that kind of would a, be kind was a four stress for moment sure. For me. Um and I would go to my parents and be crying and mm-hmm. say, I did this horrible wrong thing please forgive me and i would make a scene of needing forgiveness <laughs> mm. and i would dramatize it for mm. sure yeah that's what i would do but you were but you were so matter of fact it's not even matter of fact it is matter of fact but it's also this at a very young age it sounds like the way you tell the story like hyper assessing the rules 
Right. I'm mm-hmm. getting it. It's almost like reading the package on the back of the soup. Mm-hmm. How do you make it? How do I engage in the world? Yeah. Here's the instructions. You go tell mom the truth. She forgives. And then this happens. Here, here's we move how on. we do. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 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 Yeah. Um, so that was like maybe some really formative moments of me creating my one mask. Hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. Those are really interesting. Hmm. Yeah. And you bring in the heat. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. Oh gosh. I think, oh, and well, and part of the reason why I took those rules so seriously is because like this was, this is getting into my like fundamentalist Christian upbringing because Mm. those rules came from my parents, honor your father and mother those rules had the power of God behind them. Mm. Mm. So, okay. I, I have this book. Mm. It's yeah, called any type structures. This is out of all the books. This is by a guy. His name is Claudio Naranjo. Who is like one of the like, he's hardcore Enneagram fathers of the mm-hmm. modern mm-hmm. movement. And the subtitle of this book is self analysis for the seeker. Isn't that a great title? Wow. Mm. Oh, it was written for a five. <laughs> Probably. Mm. This, is, this is the most uh, harsh book I've encountered. Oh, gosh. It's just, Here we it's, go. It, there's, no, there's no fluffiness. It's all harsh. Yeah. You know, all these other books that we look at have the nice little... Gifts of yeah, the numbers. Gifts of the numbers. <laughs> this is something I wanted to read about ones that I th- found today. I'm going to say I read this chapter twice today. I'm not... It, they're not long chapters, so I'm not oh. like bragging. I'm really... Self-conscious about bragging. For <laughs> I know Ken Scott coming up in this podcast. Without Jeez, I didn't. I, I'm catching myself issue. in the I'm not bragging. But. Okay. Um, I read this chapter twice today. Uh, <laughs> okay, I just thought this was interesting. I put three exclamation points. There we go. Wow. When I underlined it, and it, I think I was indicating to myself that I wanted to read this out loud to Matthew. So this is under the. Um, the category in this book of criticality mm. criticality so this this is essentially saying how criticalness expresses itself in a one or how it works mm. moral the, the, i just thought this was heavy mm. and complicated moral reproaches are another form of perfectionistic disapproval mm. just that sentence mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. moral reproaches are another form of perfectionistic disapproval mm. and not just expressions of anger Hmm. but a form of manipulation Whoa. in the service of unacknowledged demandingness. Hmm. I'm going to, I'm not even getting to the juice yet. Whoa. I'm just going to read that again. Moral reproaches are another form of perfectionistic disapproval and not just expressions of anger, but a form of manipulation in the form, in the service of unacknowledged demandingness. Hmm. So here is, here's the thing. I wonder if this resonates with you and what you'd have to say about it. Whereby I, quote unquote, I want is transformed into you should. Mm. This is an interesting thing that I honestly kind of relate to to a certain extent. I want is transformed into I should. So instead of just saying, I really would like you to do the dishes, you say you should do the dishes. Oh, interesting. Just say, I want you to do the dishes. Just say, I want Mm. you to whatever I want. Mm. And, And then it says accusation thus entails the hope of affecting somebody's behavior in the direction of your desire. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that is the, that is, that is the Enneagram right there. It really is. <laughs> I Gosh. want is transformed into I should, into you should. I want to hear Matthews, but then yeah. I want to talk about how a person <laughs> might experience this. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's I good. I think Macy and I are thinking about the same thing. 
What? Recycling. <laughs> no, but this is talk true. About it. Talk this about is it. so <laughs> yes. I grew up in Seattle. Matthew and I live together, so I live with this one. Mm, yes. <laughs> I grew up in Seattle. I remember I don't remember a time before recycling. Mm-hmm. Recycling was always a thing. I remember when it was you had to separate glass from paper. Um this is great Seattle. <laughs> so this may not live n- listening that doesn't live in Seattle. I don't know. What is it? This is what we eat and breathe in. Yeah, yeah honestly. Seattle. Uh, and then I also remember the day when everybody had to start doing composting. And that was mm-hmm. when I still lived at home. So this is like very integrated into my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I almost like I, I know I know all the rules. <laughs> for mm. what you should, what mm. goes where? Yes, Ooh. he knows every rule for what goes where and how. I still and don't understand it. I don't know how it works. I'm an adult. Matthew could tell you it all. <laughs> There's a pamphlet that they give you. Yeah, I've been waiting in the garbage. It's on display it's in front in of our my house. Window recycling. It is me. above our recycle bin and trash <laughs> can to tell oh my us gosh. where Amazing. to put things. I put it there. Wow! 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 And Macy grew up in California without that. Oh, California. Come on. I did. And <laughs> so I it's, fail a lot. It's not an integrated part of her ro- routine. It's becoming. Um, it's becoming. And when you, that was the first thing that came to mind when you said like, oh, I want moves to you should. Mm-hmm. Because I think maybe really, I just want you to do that. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. is me telling you that. Yeah. No, I know. When, when, right when I think I, I don't know how like much I, pushed this on you but i was i think in my head i moralized it of like well like why do we recycle we recycle to save the earth why do we compost we would compost to save the earth it's like i don't like, care this, about is a, the earth. this is a moral imperative <laughs> if you're if you're not recycling correctly you're ruining the earth you don't care about the earth but you, all of that it's not true and not what i actually think is your at inner all. thoughts yeah yeah but well there's one day literally matthew was like <laughs> If you want me to, this is really fun. I can just you can put them in the sink and I can clean out the things like the things that need to be recycled because one day he was like, "There's too much stuff in it," and I was like, "I don't think so." And he was like, "If you need to just leave it in the sink, I'll rinse them out for you." To be specific, when you're recycling glass or plastic, it oh, must yes. it Here must it be is. clean and dry. Otherwise, when it gets to the the separation center, it will be put in the trash. So there, it can't be wet. If it's wet, it goes in the compost. I don't know any of these, this information. If it's full of food, they can't recycle it. Yes. I know. I'm working on it. I'm sorry. This, this is, is not me like. No, no this is I know. This, this is, is gold. So, this is like this honestly is gold. gold. This is so how I experience it. Yeah. Oh, this is what I want to hear now. How do you experience that? And you were going to talk about something else Well, I too. was. I was going to talk about someone who I don't even know if they're a one. And I don't know them that well, but I only have experienced them a few times in work settings. And I just am like, you have to be a one by the way they present things. I was, I'm kind of new to this job. I've been there about a month now. And it was in my first week and I was like learning how to use the kitchen and different things. And as a four, I take everything personally. So this is also ones can sometimes like activate that side of me when they get into corrected mode. And so this person walked by and I was using the like handle of the sink thing like, not even wrong, but there was just a better way to do it. And Matthew's nodding his head. They come in with a way that's, it can sometimes be like, <laughs> I already know. You can do it this way. And if you do it this way, then that, like, it saves this. And this is why you want to do it. And they come with so oh! much energy with why this is the way to do it. <laughs> and I, as a person who, like, 
receives that I'm like oh I could have been doing it better like I'm so sorry and I immediately feel like oh I like in that ones like they don't even realize the way that sometimes they're coming across with an underlying almost it seems like anger this just brings up how different types respond to different numbers like I and it's interesting to think about how we're different you're in the heart he's in the gut I'm in the mind yeah the one I think triggers all of my fiveness Mm-hmm. I want to be like, who says? <laughs> what is the best way and how do you know? You don't know. Yeah. There's 20 more ways. Mm. I, I, I get so agitated and it sends me into a tailspin. You get mm. more emotional. I get triggered emotionally where I get shameful. Yes. of Like, oh gosh, like maybe I am deficient at this. Maybe I don't know how to do the dishes. There's something and wrong with me. Exactly. And there was that, that same person another time like told me something else about like, this is the routine and this is how we've always done it. And they didn't mm. really have a sense of like recognizing that I was new and they were just like, this is what we do. And I think ones can sometimes be so lost in just explaining because I think that's what they would want is just to know. Oh, for sure. And so, oh my so that's gosh. The thing. Yes. It's, it's like, wow. not. it's like, wow. they would want that insane clarity and they would oh. want the explanation why, and they would want to know all the details why changing the sink works. And then they would be like, oh yeah. Great, got it. And for me, that's not how I experience it always. But <laughs> Nothing can trigger arrogance in me more than somebody telling me how it's supposed to be. <laughs> I'm like, oh, supposed? Really? There's a way? That's so funny. You're it triggers so- the opposite thing in us. <laughs> yeah. That's well, what's so fun about the Enneagram. Yeah. And that, that was interesting too, you were saying about like it's sending you in a tailspin of your like of like well why why is that the right way like yeah. who said and then that throws me into a tailspin of like well this is why you know like listen I, this yeah. is why i think that <laughs> well it's funny that even makes me think of our uh picture on our instagram of el diablo i'm sitting there listening to you and your your pose is literally like <laughs> explaining like it's like Scott, an explanatory pose. this is how patreon works yeah you know? <laughs> I would love it if the first time I entered a job and someone just told me exactly how to do it yeah. and then I could just replicate it oh, exactly. Oh, that that's that's when you think about cuz I've entertained the want. idea of being one. That's when you know these You're indicators. That I would I would that would be the worst case scenario for me. Yeah. And I, it's happened. I remember one of the, my first day doing dish pit at my job yeah. when you that's just what you wash dishes. I was washing bowls, we mix salads and bowls. And I realized, I gosh, I don't really know how to put these bowls in the dishwasher. And so I went to the general manager and I said, "Hey, listen to this. Listen to this question, please." Yes, pause for this question. What's the most efficient way to load the dishwasher when loading bowls? He looked at me surprised, but then showed me his way. On upon which I have improved, <laughs> yeah. and then the improver. This is this is this like is so fun. Bringing this full circle. Then when I was giving a tour to a new person, I showed her everything, mm-hmm. including how I load the dishwasher, because so I believe it to be oh. the most efficient way I oh. have yet encountered. Oh. Wow! Wow! So I wanted to pass that on. I, I imagine the ones listening are salivating. Yeah, can loading I, but the dishwasher. Can I oh, now? Go for I'm it. like, I wonder if I like scared Claire. Claire, if you're out there, I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, I think out there. something that's so interesting about ones, and something that I notice in you, and this is one thing where I'm like, oh my gosh, you're such a one. 
you explain things often in a very one-like way. When you're telling me a story from work, I'll receive all the details of exactly how you chop this thing, exactly how you do this. And it's like, I, I didn't necessarily ask for those. And yet like there you, that is a part of when you're explaining something, it would be incomplete if you didn't set the standards and have this like stage, like everything has to be thoroughly explained Yes, because everything is there and functioning for a reason. Yeah. And creating this greater system of efficiency. Wow. Yes. It's wow. always so fascinating He's when you talk. getting excited just hearing you say those words. I'm I know. Because yeah. this well, is so and true. Well, this is so yeah. true. And sometimes I'll just be like, you ex- like I, I can't help but be like, oh my goodness. I would I would not answer the, the question that was asked in that manner. I would focus on such different details in telling mm. the story. I think that's something that numbers do is we pick up details and we retell those details to ourselves and to others. One of the hardest parts about being a one is when I become overly serious. If I don't catch myself, I can be just very um, judgmental of myself, very inflexible, um, and very critical of different situations just playing out in my head. Well, that could have gone better if I had only done this or um, things of that sort. So I've found that one of the ways that I really overcome um, my tendency to be over serious is when I really look to some of the the people I get to call my friends. Um, I love it when they are able to kind of stretch me and help me grow into what it could look like um, to be more flexible and more more goofy, more loosey goosey is um, what I what I love um, when my friends bring that out in me. There was something else that I wanted to share about being a one. And this is as a one experiencing like the world of the Enneagram and like all the dialogue that's going on. Macy and I have talked about this. There's a big disconnect, I feel, from almost most ones, I would say. Because the stereotype of the ones is like the type A, like A student, like got everything done, does it all the right way, is so organized. My room's a mess. My, uh, I'm, this is like internet humor joke. My life is a mess. <laughs> Not quite, but like. Internet humor <laughs> joke. Um, <laughs> for those of you that uh, tune into the internet. <laughs> <laughs> my life is a mess. <laughs> you get the joke. Um, like my, like my room is a mess. I'm the, I'm the roommate who doesn't do the dishes enough. Uh, who leaves like my dishes in the sink. Um, I am not going to a university right now. I like got poor grades in high school and college. Like when I see this like standard of ones who are like high powered and like doing it and fixing things. And mm. I Macy and I kind of landed on what I think kind of defines this and I don't know if this is reflected in any Enneagram work. Yeah, we were just kind of spitballing ideas. Yeah, this is Matthew and Macy, but it feels so true to me, is that I'm debilitated 
by my perfectionism. Mm. I'm not mm. motivated by it. Mm. I'm not activated by mm. it. My perfectionism shuts me down. Mm. We were actually, I'm right now at work, I'm trying to move up to be a shift lead um, from just being a t- uh, team member. And me and the GM talked, and what we talked about is that I'm slow at prep, which is when you're like prepping vegetables, because I cut everything perfectly. Mm-hmm. I remember exactly how we were taught by Chef Tom, the COO of Evergreens, how we're supposed to cut everything. And so I try to do it perfectly. Yeah. And it takes too long. Yeah. Mm, wow. And she said it nicely, but basically I need to like stop trying to be perfect and just cut the vegetables so that mm. we can open the store. Mm. So, whew. And I, well, that and sounds, I, that sounds real. And then in other like areas of my life, in bigger ways, like mm-hmm. at school, I like come to a realization, I can't do this perfectly. So I don't do it. Yeah. Um, I like, and that's also kind of, I think part of going back to, um, why I chose running start is that I kind of realized that I would maybe not make it and do IB perfectly. That was like the Mm. advanced like courses Mm. and I didn't, and if I couldn't do it perfectly, then I didn't want to do it at all. There it is. That's part of it. I was listening to, I think it was either the Enneagram journey or typology podcast to check out people and it was a parent of a one talking about their child and how they saw their child multiply try different sports and they would do it for a season and then they seemed to be enjoying it but then not do it ever like they would stop doing it and after a I don't know a couple seasons of different sports the parent came and was like why are why are you not being able to like stick with something and their child was just like I don't think I can master it. I don't think I can be good enough. So I don't want to do it because if I'm not going to be great at it, if it's not going to be something I can perfect, why would I even do it at all? That's the reason why I've stopped most things in my life. Yeah, Mm. that's so, yeah. Which is, it's interesting when I pause and I think about integration to seven and then that Mm. example of like, well, maybe you just do something for fun and it's not doing it to reach some standard or to be good or, and that's when a, a one is integrating is when they, they let themselves do something that's not going to be perfect. That's, I'm glad you brought that up. I, what you said is just very true to me. And this is also another like formation of my one ego is that I can't pin down anything but I remember like being in a big group of people and then kind of like being goofy because I felt comfortable and mm-hmm. like I had become comfortable with them. But then like saying the like something that was like kind of off or like a joke that people didn't get or like I felt like I had just like oops like shared mm-hmm. too much. I had gone to a place that was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then to me it felt like two different Matthews, like comfortable Matthew and then like presentable Matthew Hmm. and I kind of consciously did this of like oh gosh that didn't quite feel right I don't want to do that again this is very Hmm. similar to the other thing of like yeah Yeah, you're bringing the one heat tonight yeah yeah it's I think I think integrating to seven is one of the it's a a scary integration it's one of the scariest integrations I would say yeah and I'll go for it I was just going to talk more about integration. Then like some of the most healthiest moments of my whole life have been when I've been 
spontaneous yeah when i've just like gotten on a bus and gone to a park and like meditated or just laid there yeah i recently um downloaded tinder (laughs) here it is i like you set up a profile i was very like exact about putting up my profile and what i how does a one go about getting on have you been part of this no, I mean... I really did it online by myself. He really did and do it was on, on the spur of a moment. Yeah. I didn't plan it. All right, all right, all right. Seven. <laughs> yeah, very seven. seven. Matthew. <laughs> um, and I kind of just like did whatever, put in a bio that worked, put in a photo that I liked. Um, But then after reading other people's profiles, I then like changed mine to fit better with theirs. To, mo- to follow the model. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and then I also realized partway through that all of my photos were of just my face and then of like my entire body. And so I was like, oh, I should fix that. And I put in ones of like my entire body. But that made it so it was at the very end of my picture roll and not everybody scrolls all the way to the end. Oh, so man, then I had changed them the all. The details. The details. I'm so sorry. I'm getting too into it. He's no, you, no, no, no. It's it's you're getting into a good way in a way that I don't relate. To. Oh, I'm you've like, never been on what? Tinder. No, no, I've also never been on Tinder. Um, <laughs> but so I had to reorganize all of it to make sure there was a photo of my whole body. Tinder is. I just want to. It's a dating. I know, but I also it's the one that's just the swiping. Right. Yeah. Okay. Swipe left. Swipe right. Yeah. Although I press the you, buttons, so I don't actually know which wh- mm. which swiping is the right way. Okay. Wow. Um, but so that was like really, I think like a good moment for me. Like, yeah. for a long time, I've been like saying that I'm not not ready for a relationship, which like may have been true, but the reason why was because like. I had so many things that I knew were wrong with me. Like mm, that meant mm. that I waiting be. for the right. Perfect. Right. Yeah. Waiting for perfect Matthew to come along and he can be in a relationship. Ooh, I, ho- I hope you keep this in there. This is good. Yeah, no, this is helpful. Yeah. We've just scratched the surface of Matthew. We really just scratched the surface. Scratched the surface of Matthew. Scratched the surface of once. I think, Oh goodness. Tonight is just such an example of how I think that the Enneagram if you are just now beginning to understand it, just this conversation, the Enneagram has given us such tools and language to have these kinds of conversations well said. and to talk through these kinds of things and for it to be held with like fun and ease and that we can talk about our shadow sides and it and not be debilitating, but it be, you know, hopefully other people can nod their heads and be like, oh gosh, yeah, that's my experience. And then we, as people who aren't your number, can then hopefully be empathetic towards mm-hmm. the your perspective and your worldview, but also understand at times that when you act a certain way or when you're doing certain things, like you have a different fixation and a different goal when you wake up every morning than I do. Mm-hmm. And so it's important for me to understand that and recognize that. Yeah. I mean, this and, is good. And, and I really want people to understand this is not a, this is, this is a meditation or reflection on ones, but mostly and, and most importantly, it's a meditation reflection on Matthew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Matthew is not a one. That is that is his box. Mm. Mm. Or is your box? True. I was my box. True. And we're 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 talking about what it's like for Matthew to identify with one. But 
I like to think that I want people to know we're getting to know Matthew. Yeah. That's the yeah. most important part. We're not getting to know a one. Yeah. We're getting to know Matthew. I want to know what you love about being a one. Mm. Mm. I mean, if we're being honest, not a lot right now. All right. Um, we're being honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love that I care. Hmm. I care about it all. Hmm. Like, I I think that's kind of a little bit why I love this podcast so much is I really believe in the idea that there is nothing too small. I care about it all. Every small detail. Yeah. I care about it all. And I think that can be beautiful. I think it is beautiful. I, I have to imagine that'd be monumentally cathartic for another one to hear. Yeah. I care. Yeah. They do. Yeah. They, they really care. Do. They care so much. I think... Yeah, those are those are good words for even words, me to hear and thinking of my one relationships mm-hmm. and how much care they put into everything and things that I disregard the amount of care and thoughtfulness that went behind it and the the ways in which a one has thought about thought thoroughly about how they do things and that everything they're doing is held to a standard of integrity. You know, they're holding everything to that. Yeah. It's hard work. Yeah. Wow. Okay, well I yeah. wanted to to give some some last just Can we like, do tips? Tips yeah, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. I just wanted, well, I just like a message to ones. Well, please Hi. give a message, message to, to ones. From a one. one from a, a one to a tradition. one. This is, a, this is establishing a tradition. Yeah, I like that. Next time we're to a two, I'll be like, what's your advice? Yeah. Like, this, uh, this is what I want you to hear. You are good. Like, you're not good enough for now. <laughs> you're not going to be good. You're good. You're a magical piece of space dust that has somehow gained advanced levels of cognition, and that's beautiful. You're you're, you're beautiful. You're good. Hmm. That's all. That's all. This will be the end. This is the end. This I is think. the end. Uh, so this is a benediction for ones. Deep down, ones remember the essential quality of perfection. They know that at a profound level, the universe is unfolding exactly as it must. As in Julian of Norwich's famous dictum, all will be well. Every manner of thing will be well. This sense of perfection is related to the sense of wholeness and completeness that we saw in type 8 and 9. One's experienced this perfect oneness as integrity. In the state of integrity, all the parts of the whole have seamlessly come together to create something more than the sum of the parts. We feel a deep peace and acceptance of life that gives us the ability to know exactly what is required in each situation and in each moment. We know exactly how much energy is required to accomplish a task, whether it is cleaning a window or sharing an insight. We move and we act in life with a certain effortlessness while accomplishing far more than we can with our bodies locked in tension. We are empowered by the direct knowledge that we are part of the perfect unfolding of something far beyond anything in our ego consciousness. Staying with awareness releases a profoundly wise and discerning intelligence that illuminates all that we attend to. When ones, through patient self-acceptance and open-mindedness, are able to relax enough to recognize that this quality is and always has been available to them, they become the true instruments of the divine will that they have longed to be.